ready to stop spinning your wheels and start moving your business forward, you're in the right place. On each episode of Accelerate to Achieve, we'll discuss a crucial step in the journey, offering tips and advice that you can apply immediately within your own company. From financial management to customer success to digital transformation, we'll cover it all while providing leadership lessons from top industry insiders. In just 15 minutes, you'll be inspired to build momentum through action and achieve incredible results. Welcome to Accelerate to Achieve, the podcast that moves you from question to answer and idea to execution. Hello, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Accelerate to Achieve podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Walter, the founder of Parallels Advisory. We rarely encounter people complaining they have too much free time. When it comes to how we work, many often perceive the reduction of waste as a basic efficiency and cost containment play. But what they miss is the core role it plays in a more virtuous cycle that could dramatically improve performance and delivery within our businesses. Now, I'm joined today by Mac Rolke, and he has a passion for reducing waste and improving throughput. For over 25 years, he's led the development and delivery of software solutions in the life sciences, financial services, and hospitality industries. Most recently, his focus has been leading global product development teams concentrating in the enterprise laboratory software domain. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So we often hear that we can't cut our way to growth. So what am I missing here? What are the rest of us missing here when it comes to reducing waste and improving processes? Can it really lead to growth? Yeah, that's a great question, Ryan. Um, You know, there's a handful of things that I've really tried to follow in my career. You know, you, you collect information over time based on things you've observed, things you learn from others, books you've read, periodicals, et cetera. And there is really an opportunity to improve folks' productivity uh, and really reduce waste. And so there's kind of time wasted capital that's kind of misinvested um, within organizations because they kind of focus on the wrong things. And, and let, me, let me speak a little bit about what I mean by that. You know, one of the things that happens within many organizations is people are constantly disrupted. Um, so that can be through their instant messaging applications, uh, through people walking up to people's desks, or you know, in, in today's environment, starting an impromptu Teams meeting with them. And in doing so, it forces them to stop whatever they were doing. And then, uh, and then after that, uh, really, you know, kind of context switch to whatever the interruption is for. And then at some point, once the interruption has passed, then have to, again, context switch back in and try to get back into the work they were doing. Well, every one of those has a cost. You know, it's, it's kind of like going to the um, ATM and you're going to take out $10 and pay a $3 surcharge, right? It's disproportional to the amount of the cost to it's disproportional relative probably to the value of the disruption. Uh, so it's really important give people an opportunity to focus, minimize disruptions, turn all this disruptive technology away, you know, kind of put the uh, do not disturb on 
and allows them to really focus on doing productive work. And in doing so, they can be highly productive, be focused, be have their, you know, kind of everything kind of geared up and turned on toward the task at hand without a lot of disruption where, again, they'd have to then restart and refocus on a kind of a continuous basis. And so there's techniques out there that allow, you know, people to be more focused. Um, you know, examples I mentioned, like turning off your instant messenger or putting on do not disturb, uh, not frequently checking your email, maybe you do it in the morning, lunch, and in the, in the afternoon, uh, scheduling time uh, to get thoughtful work done. Also, um, trying to organize your schedule so that if you're going to have a bunch of meetings, maybe you put them all back to back and your purpose during this period is actually to go to meetings um, versus trying to find tiny windows to actually get productive work done, but instead have large blocks of period uh, when you can actually do productive work. Uh, where in the company I've recently joined, you know, it's one of, not, not surprisingly, one of the challenges that I'm seeing is that folks are really pulled in many different directions. So uh, one of the very first things um, that we've instituted is for a handful of key resources that are on really an important project in the organization, we've essentially kind of bubble wrapped them, right? So we've given them large periods of time where they're not to be disturbed. Uh, and essentially that's actually uh, four days a week. So uh, they're available for two half days a week uh, to the other team members, um, they participate in meetings. Outside of that, they're essentially sequestered away for the important project work. Now it's a small example, but it's actually a good example of allowing somebody to be pretty focused and pretty productive, you know, and I, I can't tell you the exact factor of their productivity compared to normal, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a factor of 10 because they really are, you know, focused with all their mind share toward the task at hand. And they know when they're going to be disrupted in those two half days and they've planned for that, right? They don't plan to actually do that you know, kind of productive work during that period. They're going to do that, the things that enable other people to be successful uh, during that period, instead of planning to get this productive work where they have to put a lot of thought into it uh, during that period. Um, talking or, or earlier, I mentioned the, uh, you know, you pick up things kind of over time. That concept in itself is largely around the theory of constraints and where you, you identify the constraint, you protect it, you elevate it. Um, because it's your bottleneck from being effective within the organization. And we're doing that with some key resources right now. It's not an endpoint, right? We need to stratify more, allow other people to solve their problems themselves more than trying to disrupt a few key resources. But the first step toward that was protecting those folks and creating somewhat of a forcing function within the organization. I th the other thing I would point to, you know, since we're on this topic, you know, there's this concept of the um, eight sources of waste. Um, traditionally, there'd be seven. The uh, acronym for it's Timwood: uh, transport, motion, overproduction, defects, inventory, waiting, and overprocessing. And then, in addition, the 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 last letter S, so Tim Woods, skills, meaning under underutilizing some of skills, has also been added to that as well. Those are really good examples where it's forms of waste, um, but maybe the, not in the way you would traditionally think about it, like 
unnecessary steps, making things you don't need, rework or scrap, um, making things and having them sit on the shelf and um, having periods where one, one task blocks another task and prevents it from moving forward. You know, these are all good, good examples of forms of waste. And traditionally they come from manufacturing, um, but there's, there's pretty good concepts around lean software development and you can directly apply these concepts to software development as well. So as an example, you think about inventory and if you purchase inventory and you're not utilizing it, it's waste. Just as, just as if you have something that's a work in progress or even a finished good that you're putting on your shelf that you're not actually selling, it's waste. And actually the value of it, it gets reduced over time. Well, the same could be true for software, right? So the, once you start writing software, you should try to quit, finish whatever you're doing as quickly as possible. So you should wait until you're ready to write it. And then as soon as you're ready, you should write it as quickly as possible. And then as quickly after that, you should actually put it in the hands of consumers. Otherwise you have essentially inventory sitting on the shelf um, and you don't get to realize the material value you know, of that inventory uh, until you actually release your software and make it available to your consumers. And again, you wanna kind of cut that cycle down to be as short as possible. So these, these are examples, um, again, the, the abbreviation is Tim Woods for anybody who's interested in it, of, of types of waste that we as individuals experience kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, they impact our own productivity, they impact the productivity of the organizations we're working with. And so again, it's kind of applying a concept largely oriented toward manufacturing, um, but into software, into, into individual performance and focus. And that can be pretty, you know, um, valuable on, on recouping some of this investment, getting some of these focus, producing more as an organization. And, and ultimately, you know, when, if I kind of get a reference kind of another source, you know, there's this book called Drive by Daniel Pink. And he talks about, you know, kind of what motivates us. And he talks about specifically three things, autonomy, which is our desire to be self-directed, mastery, which is our urge to be better um, and develop better skills. And finally, purpose, the desire to do something that has meaning and is important. Well, if you can give folks an opportunity to have focus and really deliver, you start to really hit a lot of those underlying motivations where they have space, so more opportunity for autonomy, um, and they get to deliver things. So more opportunity for mastery of new skills during that period. And ultimately the delivery of whatever they're working on, you know, is the purpose uh, for, the, for whatever the task is or the organization's goals or objectives. So, you know, by creating this space, um, by creating this focus for folks, it's, um, it ultimately can really be motivating to the individual who before felt busy. You know, they were very, very busy and then maybe that way felt productive. But actually, if you looked at it and said, well, what did you really do? And it would be, you know, kind of a scattershot of activity, but the actual number of things that moved forward was probably pretty low. Um, and then again, in many organizations, it kind of comes down to a few critical resources. It allows those folks um, to, to experience this autonomy, mastery, and purpose give them focus and then 
address some of the fundamental problems in the organization where it is a few key resources and spread that knowledge out so that the overall capacity of the organizations uh, increased as well through that. I, you know, the one other reference I'll mention, there's a book called The Myth of Multitasking. And a lot of the concepts uh, that I try to use day to day you know, within my, my, my own personal life, within work and within the, within the teams at work come from that book as well. And I do try to organize my schedule uh, so that my meetings are all kind of in blocks of time. I schedule out periods of time for me to be able to do thoughtful, productive work, you know, with an outcome. But it's, it's pretty unrealistic to think that in the five min minutes between one meeting and another, if there is five minutes, I'm going to do that much other than maybe check email. Um, and even when I check email, I'm only going to be able to check the emails I can read quickly, absorb and move on from anything that takes a lot of thought. I'm going to have to put it to the side and, and move that into the period in which I can actually do thoughtful work. So there's tips from that book like that, you know, turning off the instant messaging or putting on do not disturb, scheduling um, meetings with people that are disrupting you because they clearly need your time. Um, so instead of allowing them to constantly disrupt you, find a window where they know they'll have your time. And then that unless something's really an emergency, it can kind of wait because they know that they'll have an opportunity to speak with you. These are all kind of like small techniques, but actually can be pretty powerful on, you know, finding your way to a higher level of productivity with the same amount of time, but you may feel actually less busy um, because you've actually partitioned your time away um, kind of effectively so that um, you can do productive work. You can do the kind of that distractive work as well, but you can do it in more in, in segments um, and set the expectation with yourself about what's going to happen any given period versus being in the frustrating situation of trying to do that productive work, but constantly being disrupted. And as a result, Again, not that many things actually occur because you're super busy, but not necessarily super productive. Hopefully that makes sense, Ryan. I know I kind of went off there. No, I think I it's great. Matt, I got to tell you, I'm just glad to hear Tim Woods didn't have a P in it and the, the eighth mystery thing was podcast because perhaps <laughs> I'm, I'm just going down the wrong path here. I'm not sure. So I was really glad to hear it was an S. That was the mysterious eighth one for skills and, 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 and not a P. So thank you. Um, You've given us so many different little things to look at, perspective, which is which is awesome. And and as we wrap up here, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, for someone who says, look, I get this, I can I can see how this works. Um, I understand how these distractions make my team less effective. You know, from someone trying to help um, their organization, what advice do you give them as a way to start or begin? Yeah, I. Again, there's, there's lots of resources out there, right? Um, I mentioned lean software development, theory constraints, eight sources of waste, this uh, book by Daniel Pink Drive. You know, so, you know, look at some of the industry literature around some of these topics around individuals and focus and, and waste and productivity. I think those are good, good ways to start and kind of frame the conversation. And actually, you have to read a lot of material. There's actually a lot of good you know, short five minute videos. And actually at this job I recently started, um, that was one of the ways to start was send around three five minute videos just to get some of the concepts socialized with everyone so they can start thinking about it um, from a different perspective. And then 
try it out on your, try it out yourself, right? And see if, what can effectively work for you. Maybe run some pilots within your own organization. Again, they can be small, but I think once you see some success and your team sees some success, then they want to see how that can kind of be furthered uh, within the organization. And, and honestly, as some people see that, you know, some people are, are enjoying this peri these periods where they are focused, other people will want to do it too, right? It sounds like a good idea to them, once, particularly once they see somebody else doing it and they're not showing up for all these meetings you know, then their availability is kind of constrained, but they're delivering a lot. Um, it has a good chance of then kind of catching on through the organization um, through good role model examples. And I think, you know, Matt, one thing you kind of touched on without uh, saying it directly is by going out to others, um, you're involving people in the process. And I think that also is a way to uncover things you may not know about. Because often many of us, you know, with the best of intentions go in, but we go in perhaps with a myopic perspective. And as a result, you know, we address things with the best intentions, but perhaps we're not even really getting at the core of the issue. And by having others involved and talking with them and making them a part of it, uh, beyond building up that momentum and excitement that others want to try it, uh, you're probably getting a lot more insight um, and intention from others because you know they're sharing what they're seeing, and that may be coming from a place you haven't seen it yourself. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, and and buy-in's a big part of these things, Ryan. So you know, involving other people in the decision making, running some pilots, getting feedback, making adjustments. I think those are all actually key aspects. And as you said, you know, you you may have a lot of expertise, or any one of us may have a lot of expertise. However, what we don't necessarily have is all the context. Right, and so getting some of that context from other folks is actually pretty helpful and insightful to get that, that perspective and also get that buy-in as well. No, it's great, and Matt, thank you so much. I mean, I think you've given people such an incredible variety of ways to start and look at that I appreciate you sharing that with everyone and probably in just the short period of time overwhelmed them with almost too much to look at, so really appreciate you jumping on today with us. No problem. I was glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Ryan. You know, time is one of our most valuable assets, and there's really nothing we can do to get more of it beyond addressing the fundamental laws of relativity. When you overlay how effectively using it can influence our total impact, as well as quality of work, it's clearly not something that should be relegated to the corner. As Matt's demonstrated, there's exponential potential available when you unlock the hidden opportunities within. I'd like to thank you all for listening today. I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Until then, I'm Ryan Walter, and remember that solving your biggest business problems begins when you decide to accelerate your approach and achieve more. At Parallels Advisory, our focus is your business's future. Having the right insight, experience, and perspective makes all the difference when tackling far-reaching issues within your company. We are here to simplify the steps, unlock your potential, and move you forward making your vision a reality. We've helped startups achieve massive growth, mid-sized businesses navigate digital transformation, and enterprises embrace innovation. Wondering how to jumpstart your business and move it forward? Contact us to discuss your audacious goals during a complimentary consultation.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Accelerate to Achieve. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. Don't forget to share the show with others who want more for their businesses. Got a question, feedback on the program, or interested in being a guest? Simply go to perils.co forward slash a2a-podcast and send us a message. That's P-A-R-R-E-L-S dot C-O forward slash A, the number two, A-podcast. To learn more about our work or to book a consultation, visit us at parallels.co forward slash contact. Until next time, remember that solving your biggest business problems begin when you decide to accelerate your approach and achieve more.